Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Brandon Ward. And I'm Ron Jorlach. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Today we are going to start a two-part conversation on pastors and suicide. This week we will discuss preaching a suicide funeral, and next week we will continue the discussion by talking about how to shepherd family and friends who have lost a loved one to suicide. This conversation, brother, you and I have been wanting to have for a while now, it seems. Mm -hmm. Uh, It really started last year. Uh, Last year, we had an article written by Neil Thornton on preaching a suicide funeral, and it has since become one of our most clicked articles. Hmm. We've had people reach out and say how helpful that article uh, was, but also that they were a little shocked there hasn't been more said and written on it uh, on the subject of of suicide. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just this week alone, I've actually received messages from two pastors who stumbled upon this article because... They were preaching their first funeral for a person who had taken their life. Uh, so this is an extremely heavy topic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is one we can go into with love and grace. Sure. Uh, this is also a topic that just means a lot to me personally. But before we get into any questions, I, I just wanted to uh, share a little bit about my experience uh, with suicide mm-hmm. and, and, and what, what it has uh, meant to me. Uh, when I was a teenager, uh, I moved in with my dad uh, because the living situation with my mom was rough. Uh, my dad had always been someone who had provided stability, uh, and he was really influential uh, on me, uh, specifically with just making sure that I knew the gospel. I mean, he was one of the first people to ever share the gospel with me. Uh, one of the things about my dad was he always made sure I had a Bible. Uh, I can't tell you how many times he bought a Bible for me from the children's Bible to the teen Bible to the, you know, ESV, the NASB, as I like to call it. I mean, I had, had every translation, uh, but he didn't just stop there. He, he made sure that if I had questions that I knew he was there to help. Hmm. Um, and believe me, there were plenty of questions and conversations that, that we had from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I moved in with my dad, uh, when I was a teenager, um, and shortly after that, uh, my dad hurt himself on the job. Uh, he worked in a place that required a lot of labor and, and developed some herniated discs in his back and, and was put on pain medication and immediately developed a dependency on pain pills hmm. um, and developed an addiction. There would be days, I mean, quite honestly, that, that uh, my dad would be passed out. He would pass out while eating he would pass out while driving and, and even wrecked a few times. And we tried everything to get him help. Hmm. Um, and this eventually led to my dad taking his life. His last words were, I, can, I can't live knowing that people could only see me as a junkie, hmm. as someone struggling. Um, not long after I lost my dad to suicide, I lost my grandfather. And just last year, I lost my uncle all to suicide. 
So this is a very important topic to me personally. And I know if you're listening to this right now, the chances are you either know someone who has taken their life or you're in that situation right now where you're leading a family in your church through this painful process. Many of these people are going to be people that you poured into, people that you laughed with, people that you loved dearly, people that were sitting in the pew week in and week out at your church. So we go into this knowing that there's a heavy, heavy, heavy weight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So let's go ahead and dive into some questions. Uh, We have been asked about preaching a suicide funeral, so we've had people reach out to us and ask these questions. So brother, I'm going to start out by asking you, and we're looking specifically at the funeral of someone who has taken their life. Mm -hmm. And real quick, I do want to plug in an episode that we've done previously on preaching a funeral. We're looking more specifically at preaching a funeral for someone who's taken their life. And so mm-hmm. uh, what are some things you would say that you would make an effort to say while preaching a funeral for someone who has taken their life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, obviously a situation like this is is going to be heavy. Uh, it, it's going to be heavy first and foremost because um, unlike uh, many funerals where uh, the the person who has passed away is uh, someone who has dealt with sickness, uh, someone who um, uh, who may have been in the hospital for for a long time or things like that. Uh, you know, we we expect there to be some type of lead in. We expect there to be some type of 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 period before uh, our loved one dies where we can kind of prepare ourselves for the moment when, right. they, when they take their last right. breath. Um, suicide, uh, much like you know, something like a car accident or, or, or um, uh, something along those, uh, those lines, it's sudden. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no preparation. Uh, there is no heads up that, that today is the last day that you're going to see. Uh, see that person and so uh, there's there's the the grief with that but then there's grief on top of that uh, because you know that the reason that person isn't here is because that person chose to end his or her own life Uh, so unlike a car accident where uh, you know they may have swerved off the road or somebody hit them or or something like that uh, this is uh, kind of has even uh, grief upon grief in yeah. that the person uh, decided to end their own life. Uh, so this is heavy. Mm. And if you're uh, asked to preach a funeral, uh, hopefully by, by the time someone even requests you, you feel that heaviness. Mm. You feel that weight. You feel the grief upon grief. And you say, what do you, what do, you do in that moment? Uh, you do the only thing that you can do. Uh, you point them to Christ. Mm. Um, you plead in prayer, God, help them to rest in your arms. God, uh, they've got a million questions right now. And 98% of those questions, God probably isn't going to answer, at least not immediately. Uh, but what he has answered is that he is with them. Uh, what he has answered is that uh, his grace is sufficient, uh, that his strength is is perfected in our weaknesses. 
um, even the weaknesses of grief and sorrow and uh, the the inability to take another step. You've you've just uh, been overwhelmed with so much sorrow and grief. Uh, that's where his strength comes through. That's where his presence is most present. Yeah. Um, and so uh, w- whatever you say, show them where Jesus is mm-hmm. and and point them towards him, uh, towards the grace and truth. Here's some things that I would not say. One, don't speculate. This is not the place for speculation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are not the person to speculate. Um you are the shepherd. And so as the shepherd, shepherd them. Shepherd them toward the chief shepherd. Uh, there are questions that you that, that if God has not chosen to answer, uh, what makes you think that you can answer those questions? Uh, you can't. So so don't. Um, uh, uh, you know what was going on in the person's mind, what was going on in the person's head? Uh, all of these different things, you don't know the answer to that. Only God knows the answer to that, and that person knows the answer to that. Um, uh, Don't uh, give any type of um, unnecessary condemnation in in speculating whether that person has committed an unpardonable sin or anything like that. That is is not biblical. So... Making sure that you're not preaching a person into heaven or hell, but it mm-hmm. always seems like with suicide, because you're bringing up the unpardonable sin. That seems like the one thing that always gets brought up. Why is that? Well, I think that some of it comes from uh, from Catholic teaching. Um, uh, you know, obviously Catholics uh, hold to confession. You go to the priest after you've sinned. You go to the priest. You know. Uh, um, uh, you know, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Um, when was the last time you gave your confession? You know, and all of that. And so, if you have sinned, you need you know some type of um, uh, uh, absolving you know uh, of your sin you know by going to the priest. Well, this is one of those sins, obviously, where you're not going to go to the priest after you've sinned. And so, they have the idea that you're carrying that sin with you into the afterlife. And therefore, it is sin that hasn't been pardoned by the priest, and thus it is sin that hasn't been forgiven. And so it's unpardonable sin. Uh, Why we Protestants believe that makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, And certainly why any Christian would believe that makes no sense, because it's not coming from the scriptures. The scriptures say that we have a priest who is even greater than any mere uh, sinful priest that that you would have uh, in the church. Uh, well, I don't need to go to the priest, if you will, to confess my sins because I've already gone to the great high priest and I've laid my sins before him uh, asking for his forgiveness and his grace. And the Bible talks about the once for all sacrifice of Christ that covers every single one of my sins. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are sins that I will probably commit 20 years from now that I have no clue about that have already been paid in full by the cross of Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so please, I urge you pastors and preachers don't go there go to the cross uh, and and show people that the great high priest the one and only uh, savior who can take away the sins of the world he has already settled that in the cross for all who have placed their trust in him amen and one of the things that you mentioned with with uh, suicide is that um, that it 
seems to be kind of similar to accidents and things where it's an untimely thing. But one of the things that's also unique is that it is it doesn't discriminate when it comes to age or race or any of these things, gender. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, we we received a message, uh, an email, not I think actually this week that there was a, a pastor who was preaching a funeral for a, a 17 a 19-year-old, excuse me, a 19-year-old who had taken their life. Is there anything that you're doing um, if you're preaching a, a funeral for someone taking their life that's different for someone younger than older or you know any specific mm-hmm. uh, circumstances? Is there anything that you're doing differently? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there will be different dynamics. If it's a child... Um, uh, certainly, it's it's going to be a uh, a, a massive blow to the parents, uh, to siblings, you know, grandparents, and so on. Um, when you just expect that the child is going to grow up and get married, and 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 and, and all of that, and it, there's just there's a there's a significant blow when it's a child. Yeah. Um, uh, also, we know from statistics that it could lead to. Uh, all kinds of um, repercussions, you know, for the parents. Um, uh, the the statistics are there that uh, parents who have had to bury a loved one, uh, a child, um, even you know, with something as suicide, that that could bring uh, a significant strain on the marriage uh, and and things like that. And so, as a pastor, you want to you want to get there as soon as you can, um, yeah. you know, to uh, to help. Uh, guard against that, you know, to uh, to help them to place their trust in Christ and not to um, uh, to blame each other, you know, or or place any type of um, of unnecessary hurt on each other, but rather that you fight through this together as a couple. Uh, so that's that, that. Those are some things that that I would have in mind as I'm as I'm as I'm caring for them and and, and even even as I'm thinking through. Uh, a funeral message, uh, you know, I'd probably emphasize that we we walk through this together. You mm-hmm. know that God has brought us here at this moment, and God in His providence has already, you know, determined in His grace that we are the ones for each other. Yeah. You know, in a season like this, for an adult, it's it's it it's a little bit different, especially when you're talking about um, a parent you know, or, or a husband, you know, so the, uh, or, or, or a wife, you know, so you're dealing with uh, the spouse of a loved one or children of loved ones. And so the dynamics really in, um, in the, in the situation deal with, at least for me, the relational dynamics. So uh, are you talking about a young child? Well, I need to say something to the parents, you know, and to the siblings. If I'm dealing with an adult, what I need to deal with, if, it was, if, if the adult was married, I need to say something to the spouse. I need to say yeah. something, if, if they were a parent, I need to say something to, to the children, you know, uh, um, and, and, and so forth. Uh, so, yeah, the dynamics, I think, are more relational. And I want to make sure that, uh, that I'm mindful of those relational dynamics and just how different people and different stages of life and different relationships will, will respond. No, that's helpful. So talking about the, the message, so mm-hmm. that's typically about, what, 15 minutes, 20 mm-hmm. minutes, mm-hmm. Uh, give or take. Mm-hmm. Some situations may provide more, some less. What are some passages that might be good for pastors to consider when preaching uh, a suicide funeral and, and why?
Thousands of men and women serving Christ all over the world have found that a Southeastern education was exactly what God had in store to equip and train them for service. We're producing Great Commission-minded students who desire all people everywhere to glorify Christ. Preview Day is a unique opportunity to see firsthand what God is doing at Southeastern, hear from faculty and students, and fellowship with others just like you who are discerning God's call on their lives. Sit in on class lectures, tour the campus, meet professors, and have all your questions about life and learning at Southeastern answered. Our Preview Day will allow you to seek God's calling in your life, and whether He leads you to Southeastern or elsewhere, we will be thankful for your joining us. The cost for the day is minimal at only $20 per student, and the next opportunity to join us for a preview day is Thursday, April 22nd, 2021. Yeah, well, as I said before, um, uh, you want to emphasize uh, the the person and uh, the the presence of our Lord Jesus. You wanna you wanna emphasize uh, the heart of Christ. Uh, so think of for me, I, I automatically go to the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, with any funeral, I, I have a tendency to lean towards the Psalms, uh, just because uh, the psalmist uh, David in particular, uh, he just knew sorrow. Yeah, he was uh, acquainted with grief. Yeah, and loss. yeah, yeah. David just. He, you, you feel bad for him because for someone to have written as many psalms as he did of laments and hurts and so on, David, I don't think we've, we think about this as, as much as we should, David was a man who experienced incredible levels of sorrow. Um, remember, this is David who, he, he didn't lose his son Absalom to suicide, uh, but he had lost Absalom. Uh, in in death uh, by his own general Joab, uh, he lost uh, a son uh, to his own sin uh, as as a result of his uh, of his adultery and uh, abuse of his of his position as king to murder use um, uh, Uriah the Hittite. Um, so David had to bury you know a few of his children along the way. Amnon uh, he had to he had to bury Amnon you know, as well. So that's at least three in the scriptures uh, of his children that David had to bury, uh, not to mention all the other sorrows and so on that he had to go through. And yet here's David uh, in Psalm 34 uh, that could say of our Lord, uh, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed mm-hmm. in spirit. Uh, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And, and, of course, we understand in all of that. Uh, I'm sure that the, the first response would be, well, if he's able to do all of that, why didn't he do that, you know, for the one who, who took their life? And, uh, and, and, again, those are questions that we can't immediately answer, but we do know that this is true of our Lord, um, that our Lord is there for, for those who remain, uh, for those who grieve. He is there. He will not turn uh, away from them. Uh, uh, Psalm 147 also, uh, it says, The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. And then he says in 147.3, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And it's interesting in the next verse, it says, He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. So who do we turn to in this season of 
of, of deep, deep hurt and sadness and so on. Well, look up to the night sky and look at how many stars there are up there. Just the stars that we can see with our, with our own eyes, uh, much less with, uh, much more with a telescope, you know, or anything like that. Millions upon millions, billions even of stars. And the one who has determined how many stars are in the sky and the one who is able to, uh, to name each one of them is the one who says, I am with you, mm. I am here for you, uh, I will bind up your wounds, I will heal you, this is who I am. And then, of course, you can go to Revelation in the, in the last day when, when the Bible says that the Lord will, will wipe away every tear mm. from our eyes in that day. Point them forward to the time when they will see the King Jesus face to face, and he will be there in all of the sorrows and the hurts that we experience in this life on that day. They will all come together and, and, and he, will, uh, he will be the one to wipe away those sorrows. He will be the one to overshadow each one of them with his joy and with his presence. If you know, uh, 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 if, you're, if you're the one that you have lost, who, who has taken their lives, if they have placed their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they will be there on that day with you. Uh, praising the risen King Jesus uh, and singing joys to him forever and ever. The sorrows that we experience in this life are but for a moment. Joy will indeed come in that morning. Hmm. That's, that's very helpful, brother. Those are really good passages of Scripture. I'm, 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 I'm with you. My mind goes immediately to the Psalms that just provide comfort, but provide language, mm-hmm. language for... Um, the broken mm-hmm. language for the confused yeah um and so those are very very helpful uh let's shift from the preaching moment to the graveside mm-hmm. this is usually a shorter period of time but is with the family and those closest to the deceased so what are some things pastors can do and say in this moment to shepherd those grieving mm-hmm. Well, any graveside uh, moment is is a very solemn moment um, because you are face to face with the reality of death. Mm. There's a there's a sense of finality with with the graveside uh, for um, uh, for several uh, you know. Um, uh, uh, cemeteries uh, and, and, and so on uh, you are standing there and you have the casket and, and you see under the casket and there is the hole where the body will be buried um, and from here on out until the resurrection uh, the body is going to lay there in the ground and you've got your, your um, tombstone and Uh, and so on to say that's where the body is but that's where the body is and that's where the body will be Mm. Uh, there's this there's this finality to it that that we will not see that person again on this side you know of the return of Christ and and so you want to you want to be sensitive Uh, and I I I say this about the entire uh, season here you want to be sensitive Um, but I also want to give uh, my people hope. Hmm. Um, 
I know I've talked a lot about if uh, about the the person as if the person was a believer, um, but I think in this case, this is rather this is regardless of of whether the person is a believer or an unbeliever. The resurrection of Christ is is sure, and I want my people when they're there in that moment uh, to look to Jesus. Yeah, I uh, I want them to consider uh, the finality of their own lives. Yeah. And the brevity of their own lives, that that today is the day where one is going into the grave, but there's going to come a day where all of us will be in this moment. Yeah, where, you want them to focus not on the, the grave before them, but on the empty grave. Yes. Back, you know, with yes. Jesus, the resurrection. Yes, I want them to know the hope that there is one who has conquered the grave. And that one who has conquered the grave is the one that we must place our hope in and place our trust in. Uh, uh, for, as Paul would say in First Corinthians 15, if our hope is in this life only, then we are, above all people, most to be pitied. Uh, uh, hope that, that dies with us is, is not a good hope. Uh, you know, it, it's a it's a useless hope. I need hope that will that will outlast the grave. Hope that will conquer the grave, mm. and that hope is Christ. And so, as we are face to face with the casket and face to face with with the grave, um, I I, I want to call people to be face to face with Jesus, to see the risen Lamb uh, seated at the right hand of the Father, high and exalted never to die again, never to be conquered. Uh, 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 he is the invincible one. And if we place our hope in him, then this grave, as, as the New Testament would say, is but sleeping. Uh, and one day we're going to wake up. And when we wake up, we're going to be with him face to face, and death will never, ever have a hold on us again. Mm. And so I want them to, to know that hope and to cling to that hope, because that's the only way that we're going to get through that season and any other season. Uh, it is only by trusting in Christ Jesus uh, that we can have hope that will last beyond the grave. Amen, brother. Amen. That's really helpful. You're right. I mean, the gray side presents a really unique opportunity to care for those that are grieving. Mm -hmm. And as a pastor, this is a moment to share words of comfort. Yeah. So the gravesite represents so much more than the end of a funeral service. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, for those present, the words spoken here, the faces that are seen here will forever be ingrained into their memories. Mm -hmm. um, the gravesite is more than just a resting place for the deceased. Uh, it, it's a place uh, that holds the memories and a wide range of emotions for those people that are there, for those closest to this person. And as a pastor, you want to take note of that, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you want to make this time count. You want to leverage the time you have here. So don't miss that opportunity if you're a pastor. Uh, this may be the final moment that you spend with individuals that are here at this scene, at the graveside. You may never see some of these faces again and so you just want to make your words count. You know, I would encourage maybe read scripture. And Neil's article, the article I mentioned earlier, he mentions reading uh, Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Mm. Um, you may want to say a prayer. Uh, as someone who's been here three times, uh, be honest with those present. Uh, the honest truth is there's going to be some really dark days ahead. Yeah. Uh, for many present, the wounds from this loss are still there and will still be there the next day and the next day and so forth. Uh, there hasn't been closure for them. This isn't this isn't something that is just done 
in that moment. Mm-hmm. There's still questions. You know, you mentioned the amount of questions that there are. There's still pain, and you, you as a pastor need to let them know that this is normal. Mm-hmm. Let them know mm-hmm. that this is a reality. But, you know, as you said, brother, you did such a good job communicating this. You you have to let them know that there's hope. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest mistakes you can make in this moment as a pastor is to walk away from the graveside without giving them the hope that is only found in Christ Jesus. You know, I think of, of, of a doctor. You know, if a doctor has a cure for an illness, he doesn't just give patient medicine to dull the symptoms. He gives them the cure to, to cure the symptoms altogether. And so... If you're a pastor, don't look, don't put the pressure on yourself to look for the cute quotes or the antidotes or any of that stuff to make the moment feel, to make them feel better in the moment. Uh, give them the gospel mm-hmm. because that's what they need. That's what that's what they need. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would also encourage uh, uh, the the Ephesians four passage is a fantastic passage. Um, I'd add to that. I, I, I do this nearly with every uh, funeral. Uh, especially for a believer, um, uh, I'll read First Corinthians fifteen. Um, it, it's for some, depending on time, you know, I'll, I'll read a portion of it. Uh, uh, for others, I'll read the entire chapter. Um, for uh, those who are uh, grieving um, uh, the loss of a loved one, I, I go to First Thessalonians four mm. uh, about how the dead in Christ will rise first. You know, don't grieve as those who have no hope. Uh, I've, I've turned to that on several occasions. Um, the Revelation passage that I was uh, mentioned earlier about how the Lord will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Um, it, again, this is the this is the time where you can point forward, point ahead. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I want my people to have an eschatological perspective mm. on this. Uh, uh, I want them to see the end. Yeah. And and to hope for the end and long for the end when the Lord will indeed make all things new. Um, this is a a hard world to live in. Uh, the fallenness of this world, the depravity of this world, the reality of the curse uh, in this world uh, for for all of us, you know, given any any given day. It's too hard for us to bear. Yeah. Um, and and I want uh, folks to look ahead to the day when when the curse is lifted and sin is done away with mm. and there will only be righteousness and justice and peace forever in the kingdom of Christ. Mm. Um, and so that is the moment right there where you want to you want to just point them ahead and say, look, look up, <laughs> look forward. Um, he's coming mm. and he's coming soon. Continue to trust in him. Uh, even as you said, in these seasons where it will get darker and it will hurt uh, much more um, uh, in the in the days and weeks and years to come. Hmm. That's so helpful, brother. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom on this topic. That'll do it for part one of this conversation. The funeral is just the beginning. Join us next week as we continue this discussion on how to shepherd those who have lost a loved one to suicide. If this episode has been helpful in any way, please consider leaving us a review. Uh, We would love your feedback. As always, it is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope we've done that today with our conversation. And as always, brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.